Hi there, my name's Will Truby, and welcome to Pick and Mixtape, the podcast where we curate a playlist for a very specific mood. Each episode, I gather a bunch of friends together, we each pick a song for the playlist, and then we discuss them. After we're done, we try and place them in a track list that would make sense to listen to all in one go. On this third episode, we're picking songs that'd play at the club in your nightmares. We've got a whole bunch of weird and wonderful songs on the mixtape, including cartoon bands, German electro swing, and educational music for toddlers. My guests are Beth Booth, Dan Emsel, Elliot Wheeler, Georgia Harris, Lydia McKean, and Rich Bond. If you want to listen along, the playlist is on our YouTube channel, which is Pick and Mixtape Podcast. That's the letter N as in Fish and Chips, or Simon and Garfunkel. Thanks for listening. So, the first song on this playlist is Not In Love by Crystal Castles, featuring Robert Smith, and that's Beth's pick. I really love this song. Um, I actually only know it because it's got Robert Smith in it because I like The Cure. I guess if we're talking about like the club in your nightmares, for me, it feels like it fits the brief because it simultaneously feels like it's a song that you want to dance to and also a song where you want to just like lie face down on the ground and contemplate your own existence, Um, which is what my nightmares are like. (laughs) And uh, it just like feels kind of vaguely threatening I guess or at least unsettling and there's just like a lot going on there's a lot of like weird sounds and also like Robert Smith is just kind of the goth king of the universe and I feel like his inclusion definitely tips it in the kind of in that direction but yeah I think it's just like it's such a banger but it's also like it just feels like you would be dancing to it while incredibly sad or like existentially fraught I think if I was thinking of a specific scenario for this song or like a specific like nightmare scenario, it kind of feels to me like the song that you'd listen to or the song that you'd be hearing while you were like in the like bathroom stall of the nightclub, like crying your eyes out because either <laughs> you just had a huge argument with your friends or like your partner's just broken up with you. Something that happens in a nightmare without any any reasoning like your partner will just suddenly be there and be furious with you and break up with you like there's no explanation but to me it sounds so like aggressively violently sad there is a sort of threatening or upsetting aura but i think it's it's more like the nightmare that you wake up from and actually immediately start crying about (laughs) that's that's the vibe that i got from it anyway i can truly imagine like the song starting and walking to maybe the bar or a different room 
and spending maybe 30 seconds and coming back as the chorus kicks in and just thinking I just entered a different dimension <laughs> honestly that sort of like driving bass and everything just like assault on senses kind of chorus I was just like where am I how am I still doing this yeah it would probably ruin me I think it's it's undisputably a good club song, even like mm-hmm. taken out of the context of like any nightmares or anything. The the driving bass and the the stupid ridiculous flange synth lead in the chorus <laughs> that just sounds like it sounds like the worst not in Ibiza possible. I genuinely wish that I would ever go to a club that would play this song. It would be like the weirdest, saddest night out ever. It's that synth sound literally just takes your head off. It's like really ugly, but also great, but also really ugly. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> Don't forget, it's really, really ugly. <laughs> it definitely feels, it feels like there's too much done to that synth sound. I wrote down that it kind of sounds like a ghost or like a banshee screaming. Like it sounds so piercing and aggressive in a way that's definitely unsettling and terrifying. That's the sound of existential dread. Like what effects do you want on the synth? And it's like, yes. (laughs) I felt like it was, in terms of the nightmare scenario, I could imagine you're at a club and you kind of want to go and get a bit of fresh air for a second before you dance again, but every door you go through returns you to the dance floor. Every t- you just you just want a little bit of little bit of air before you dance again, but you can never get there. So your only choice is to just keep on dancing and maybe cry at the same time. That it does seem like a sad boy dance. Yeah. It's like the kind of darker equivalent <laughs> of like playing Dancing on My Own by Robin at a club. Where that that feels like oh. the cry dancing tune, and I feel like this is just like the goth cry dancing tune. I think a lot a lot of it is like as we've said, comes back to that synth and like that build up to the chorus and the chorus itself. It just doesn't leave you alone. It doesn't give you any time for anything but just to sit and experience it. There's actually there's another version of this song that doesn't have the Robert Smith vocal. You know, there's like a a bridge that's got the kind of synthesized voice. It's just got that. And in that version, like that synth, I personally think is overwhelming because I think it only works because he's got a very distinctive voice and it sounds very kind of natural. Like he doesn't sing perfectly. And I think that if you don't have that to kind of like counterbalance it, it is just so overwhelming. So I feel like the Robert Smith version is definitely the superior edition of this song. <laughs> My first thought was, um, I mentioned to Will, was, was a Cure song. Specifically, love cats. But I think it's something very specific about his voice that has a kind of nightmarish, kind of dour quality to it. It sounds like somebody wearing like a dark velvet suit with a little pork pie hat, like (laughs) scary white gloves. My other Robert Smith pick potentially would be Lullaby by The Cure, which is the one which is like about the Spider-Man. It's really strange. I think he sings in a way that sometimes just comes across as vaguely threatening. Yeah. Although yes, The Love Cuts also, I listened to it about 150 times and can never listen to it again. (laughs) It's both threatening and kind of like alluring in a way. And I guess that's sort of like the goth vibe, isn't it? It's like spooky graveyards, scary gargoyles and stuff like that. But also like you're like dragged in, you're entranced by something. It's what you're getting at here that Robert Smith is like a succubus. I think he's sexy. <laughs> I think that's a, a huge part of incubus? the cure. Incubus, that's yeah. group, yeah. Theatrical, I think, his delivery. It still manages to be quite warm, even though it's terrifying. Um, the more we think about it being threatening, the more I can imagine hearing this being on Hex at Alton Towers. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you might have to give us a rundown of how that goes. I know it's a roller coaster, uh, but slightly spooky. But you're trying to shoot ghosts, and it's just like that's it, basically. You're given like a bad laser gun, uh, and I'm sure the scores are entirely arbitrary and made up. But it is just like stuff happening nonstop. Yeah, it thinks like this chorus, but for like eight minutes. Well, like a kind of haunted house ride where things are just like popping out at you, like skeletons yeah. out of bushes. Are there? No. Exactly. Think that, but you've got to shoot them as well. That tends to be where you find skeletons. <laughs> so the, in a hedge. the haunted house rides that just go through the bushes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a train, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. If you were going to play that in a club on full volume, at some point during the, the song, you would need to kind of escape from the room. Or I feel like you wouldn't be able to listen to that entire chorus on, like, club-level volume. If you played it full volume in a club, I think someone would just pass out when it hit the chorus. Yeah. Like, there would be casualties. <laughs> <laughs> the next song is Do Your Thing by Gorillaz. Did I say that too? I felt like I said that too British. Do your thing. Next, the next <laughs> do song. Your thing. Do your thing. So it's, it's featuring Andre 3000. It's featuring, I think, is it James Murphy from LCD Sound System? Cool. So yeah, this is Do Your Thing by Gorillaz. So that's Lydia's pick. I'm alive in the mile when the power is gone. The shadow in the corner, just playing along. I'm only red in my bed. I'm rolling aside, but if I get a car, I'm roaming around because I know if I ever share a living in you, you gotta volunteer and you don't know what to do. You saw. You wanna do it, but you don't know what you're doing, baby. Uh-huh. You wanna feel it, but you don't know what you're feeling tonight. I knew I wanted to choose something really chaotic and a little bit discordant and this song seemed to fit the bill really because the first time I ever heard it I didn't like it it just felt like a barrage of sound it was too much too many things happening right from the beginning but it's the sort of thing where I felt like the more I listened the more I was able to pick out all the interesting things that were happening and once you've kind of got your bearings and you're like okay this is the way this song is going you can kind of enjoy the ride a little bit. I have lots of experience with very vivid dreams and a lot of them could be really terrifying if I kind of thought about them too much. But when I'm in the dream, I kind of just have to let it happen and see where it goes. And then it doesn't end up being too scary. And that's kind of the way I feel with this song. It's like you've been tied to a merry-go-round and you can't do anything about it. So you might as well see what's happening around you. I like how each section is really abrupt in the way it ends and the way it starts. There's just so many layers and so many weird noises happening that it felt perfect for a nightmare that doesn't have to be a nightmare, but for some people, it really is a nightmare. I think it has the same, something significant in common with the Crystal Castles, which is that it's just relentless, but in a different way. Like, I think this one especially is like rhythmically relentless. There's that kind of like, just going through the background of the whole song. And it does like, it's almost kind of hypnotic. You don't get released at any point with it. It's just kind of pulling you along whether you want to be pulled along or not. I feel like how they recorded this song was they recorded it at a normal tempo. And then once it was all done, they were like, let's just speed this up by like 10 BPM or something. It feels like it's just a little too fast. When I listened to it, I it almost made me feel a little bit anxious. Like it was just a little bit too much to to keep up with. And I had to listen to this song a good couple of times to make sure that I had enough notes on it because by the time I'd like had a thought about something, 
we were already like 20 seconds further on in the song. We were already in like the rap break or whatever. If this was a nightmare, it would be that kind of nightmare where you're not really in sync with your physical presence in the dream and you feel like you can't quite run as fast as you need to away from whatever it is. It's interesting because it feels threatening, but the song's not like scary. There's nothing dark about the song. It just feels a bit too much. Thing I found strange about it is funny how you mentioned about the speed thing because it does feel like it's too quick. I th- I don't know if they did something with or actually that tempo is just fluctuating very slightly because there's just something about it that's really unsettling that doesn't quite feel stable. Whether it's to do with the pitch or the tempo, and I don't know. I don't know. That's just me hypothesizing. But I just wonder whether there's something that's actually they've just done something that's making it just fluctuate just a tiny like one or two BPM or just a, a few cents. Um, tuning that's just making it feel really really unsettling if it was this exact version as well being played in the club i'm not sure how i would deal with the sort of like checking his mouth asmr and like dog noises (laughs) and random sheep in the background i think like the points where it like changes sound as he enters a different room uh i think of the states i would be in and hearing that there is not a single part of me that would survive that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that that might be a specific issue with the fact that it, we listen to the music video rather than <laughs> the actual song. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a kind of classic gorillas thing, I guess, of doing weird diegetic stuff with the song. I mean, the, <laughs> my alternative was the extended fifteen-minute-long version of this song, which I didn't think would be good. But yeah, if if that if someone had just played that YouTube video through the speakers at a club, that would be even more unsettling. I feel like this is the song that would everyone would decide to go to the bar at this song. It would just be a bit like, you, it almost feels undanceable, really. I was just um, thinking about what kind of dance moves you could do. And then I started to do them and Rich gave me a look to suggest I could <laughs> I was going to say actually though that I feel like the only way that you could really dance to this song is like the image that I have in my head is like somebody who has done a lot of MD and it's just like yes and just does like (laughs) one motion for like an hour and then falls over because it's so repetitive and it's so relentless and that's partly what makes it feel quite stressful I think especially the way that that kind of melody goes it's a bit like wind up a mechanical mouse or something but it only has kind of a three second long spurt before you have to do it again it's like i like that about it though i actually i really liked that i thought that's a that's a nice intro to the song because it starts off especially like chaotic and frantic with all the really choppy synth noises at the beginning and then the bass is really insistent i actually really like that the voice also sounds a bit unsteady i feel like this could also be like an alcohol fueled nightmare like he sounds drunk in that opening bit i had a similar note on just on the vocal melody itself where it doesn't feel like it's settled ever it's just constantly spiraling it feels downwards all the time and it never quite sits still or anything i don't think it sounds like a dancing song but maybe it sounds like a kind of a running song or like a song to kind of move erratically to. I don't think you could be coordinated to this song. It would definitely be erratic. It would be like, you know, you know, in Peep Show, you know, you know, Rainbow Rhythms. <laughs> I, I feel like this song would work really, really well for Rainbow Rhythms. <laughs> I wonder if it could be one of those dreams where actually you're being forced to dance to this tune. It's like, 
it's like, it's like whether it's like you're on stage and the spotlight's on you're like dance yeah maybe the, the song that's impossible to dance to but you've got to do it anyway because it's yeah. night. you know they're like fairy tales where there's like a pair of shoes that um if you put them on you're like cursed to dance until you die i feel a bit like that is the dance that you would do to this just a kind of like upsetting death dance <laughs> I feel like the only way to dance to this, you'd have to scream like, let's have it, like right before you start. <laughs> yeah. Like arms fully extended at all times. Yeah. Commit to everything. It's not going to be pretty, but it's got to be like, oh, energy. <laughs> I think I think that's the thing is that it, it, it sounds positive, but it definitely sounds threatening. It sounds, it sounds maybe too positive, like a bit too happy. I think part of what contributes to the kind of like nightmarish feeling of this song, honestly, is that like the nature of gorillas as a band is kind of it has this whole elaborate fiction around it that is almost quite like nightmarish sometimes and like like you say the video is like incredibly weird and quite nightmarish in some ways and i think that actually like that whole kind of fiction surrounding the band and the fact that you're not in your head going oh yeah these are real people singing this music it's like associated with this whole kind of weird story i think that helps as well with the like nightmare thing the next song is putting on the ritz by taco uh <laughs> and that's my choice the time is right for us and we can move move to the rhythm we can Just to start off, I want to reassure everyone that I do actually enjoy that song, but I enjoy it in the way that people enjoy watching The Room and enjoy playing like garbage PS2 games from like the early noughties. I'm aware that it's peculiar and unhinged. From like the two minute mark onwards, the song is like nearly unlistenable. It's odd. I've had to listen to it about 20 times over the past two weeks, so it's worn a little thin on me now, but I do actually enjoy it. It's mainly because it's this weird baffling mashup between like, I think he's supposed to be channeling like, you know, Sinatra or any of those people who'd be in Singing in the Rain and all of that, but really he's giving me big Tim Curry and Rocky Horror vibes with the lipstick and the hair and the sort of, the way that he over-enunciates some words, especially at the end where he says, he sings Gotta Dance and then the second time he sings it, he pauses after Gotta and then says dance in the most like toe-curlingly terrifying, unsettling way possible. The vibe that he gives off is so threatening and so unhinged. And I think if I listen to this song for the first time completely without any context, I would think that this song was like the song that would be in a 90s kids movie, like a, like a Disney movie. And it's the song that the villain sings that is, for whatever reason, kind of sexy and kind of camp, but also threatening. Like, you know how villains in Disney movies are often a bit sexy and a bit camp, but are like, you can tell that they mean ill. The only song that I have in my head right now is the song that Rasputin sings in uh, Anastasia. That's not even Disney. But how it's kind of like, the song's always like a bit sneaky, but it's also a little bit sexy. Can I just cut in and say, uh, 
be prepared from the Lion King. Be prepared from the Lion King. Yeah, that was just, I was just about to say that. It's catchy and like really, really smooth in a way that like 80s synth pop is, but the way that he delivers so many lines is really unsettling. The best part for me is when once you hit halfway through and he stops singing the song proper and there's just a weird medley of other songs from musicals, like there's the Gotta Dance bit and then there's the weird melody from White Christmas. And then there's also the the like the piano part from No Business Like Show Business all mashed up together with like the wettest synth funk you've ever heard. Like it's disgustingly moist. Yeah, I love it and I hate it in equal parts. Like it's a, it's a song that would never be produced nowadays. It just wouldn't happen. For some reason I, it reminds me of like on that theme of like villain songs. In my head, I've got the scene in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang where they're sort of like, in the castle and he's sort they're all trying to sort of like infiltrate it and she's pretending to be the the dancing doll and all that kind of stuff and i'm just like that's the scene i've got in my head especially when he starts doing the sort of like weird like thing in the video <laughs> it's uh pretty yeah unnerving i'm not quite gonna go as far as saying sexy it's, he looks more like poundland michael ball to me but, um yeah that was an insight yeah. into will's psyche <laughs> <laughs> i think it's sexy in a way that rocky horror is sexy Right? Like, he's he's over-enunciating some words. I think so much of the nightmarishness of this for me, like, it feels, like, relatively nightmarish at the beginning when it's just, like, incredibly weird. But then when you hit that end point and you have the weird, like, kind of carnival music, that is the point at which I am completely done with this song. Like, it's as soon as we've gone to the carnival, I think there's no coming back from there because I think horror movies have just, like, ruined clowns and like carnivals and anything like that for everybody because immediately you're just like oh someone's gonna die to this like horribly upbeat kind of jangly music that's the most threatening bit for me the vibe i got of this nightmare is very much more of one of those blue velvet twin peaks that just, yeah, it's just I like slightly unhinged twin peaks vibe from it yeah it's a bit with the they're talking back. Yeah, the bit in the, the room with the red curtains and the weird, like, zigzaggy floors. It is definitely, it's the bit at the end where, like, it's eight different motifs all shoved next to each other. It's not good songwriting. It doesn't make sense. It's not especially nice to listen to. It feels like you've got, like, eight different things all kind of going on in your head. I think for me, it definitely feels like that bit just before you wake up in the nightmare where everything all suddenly escalates and there's too many things all happening at once just before you like bolt upright with like sweat running down your face because you've seen this this man's face you know when you've had a lot of caffeine and then you've kind of passed out into like a weird sort of restless sleep i feel like the end of this song is what that would sound like chaotic and can't decide what it's trying to be and it's just like everything at once I also think that so much of both the the joy and the terror of this song entirely comes from how he actually sings it. The whole thing, I mean, you can see if you watch the video that for practically the whole thing, he has like one eyebrow raised, but you can hear it in his singing. You can hear him like, hmm, the whole time. And it is like kind of almost cartoon villain kind of stuff. Yeah, there's an almost like comic sadist about it. <laughs> <laughs> It does feel like, now that you've said that, Dan, it feels like he's strapped you to a chair and he's like, 
I want you to tell me what you think of my song. And he's just like stood there performing for you and you can't say that you don't like it. <laughs> or he'll kill you. Or he'll you. kill you. <laughs> I mean, why, did, why does it do all the extra bits? I, was, I just remember being confused at it when it starts veering off into, like you said, like bits from other musicals. I was like, what, 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 why is this happening? It's like your mind running, running at 100 miles an hour whilst you're in this horrible, restless sleep. If you listened to this song and you were like, I'd actually like to listen to more by this guy. He kind of made his career off doing... 80s synth pop versions of songs from musicals like there's a version of singing in the rain that he does there's a version of let's face the music and dance he just seems to love doing those musicals i think but i i I have no explanation for why there's six all shoved together at the end there's there's too many ideas all shoved together and it feels Mm -hmm. proper panicky to, to me at the end what i wrote was um a fever dream that you can't decide if you want to actually escape from. You know, it's so confusing that you can't make a decision. And what I wrote actually was quite interesting because I wrote it before I listened to the songs that came after this on the playlist. But I wrote, it's it's like you've been at the Mad Hatter's tea party for three years straight and it's all just kind of making sense. I, I really love the fact that the second you you get comfortable with what you're listening to um, and you're like this this is what I've got myself in for I understand it it changes you can't get comfortable you're uncomfy why is he suddenly going into other show tunes why is there tap dancing I don't know yes I don't know why no one's mentioned the tap dance break yet because the tap (laughs) dance break is is the point at which you realize this song is unhinged (laughs) within the music video that's enjoyable he released this as a single just like sat there listening to this song with probably about 30 seconds of tap dancing and before that you're right he's singing the song straight but also there's like two key changes up until that point he keeps going up so the next song we're going to listen to is white rabbit by jefferson airplane and that's George's pick. One pill makes you larger And one pill makes you small And the ones that mother gives you love this song and I was actually finding it really difficult to find a song that I felt fitted the brief that I actually really enjoyed because if I'm thinking about a nightmare song it might not be one that I wanted to listen to when I was awake as well but I do like to listen to this one when I'm awake and that's why I chose it but also I think it sounds like reading Alice in Wonderland feels. It's really captured the kind of the transfiguration of of size and shape and that metamorphosis of changing and of becoming something else and that kind of feverish quality. I mean, I reread Alice in Wonderland really recently and it's actually one of the most disturbing books I've ever read as an adult. It is so, so creepy. Just the way it's written and the turns of phrase in it and and the fact that you knew it was kind of autobiographical and it's just so surreal and so when I imagine having a kind of a nightmare club song I imagine myself dancing to this like Grace Slick just kind of swaying in in a kind of a psychedelic background 
background. Have you ever seen the banana splits? It's an old TV show from like the 60s. And it's got these like swathes, these kind of intermissions where it's these kind of characters and they're kind of grooving along in San Francisco. One of them's an elephant and one of them's a dog with really shaggy hair to this kind of paisley lava lamp background. And that's what it makes me think of. I think, I think the psychedelia involved and the fact that it sounds so much like something that was written by people who were on so many drugs in the 60s kind of elevates the quota of kind of nightmarishness because it, it feels kind of not of this time and space. But it's interesting listening to the other songs as well um, and some features that, that are kind of in this song as well, like that kind of relentless marching snare and, and the bass as well. I wonder if it, if it would sound as threatening if that snare wasn't in there. It's a bit like you were saying, Beth, you know, that horror films have kind of ruined carnivals. And I was thinking about that juxtaposition of, of the childlike with the nightmarishness. I think that's key to a lot of these songs as well. And I think this song has that quality as well because because it's written about a children's story, that kind of juxtaposition with the innocent, with the horrific, I think kind of amplifies how scary it sounds. Just bouncing off what you're saying with bouncing the childlike with the horrific, one of my favourite films and also kind of books, depending on what mood I'm in, is Coraline, which um, for adults is very terrifying, but for children is quite entertaining. And that's exactly what this song made me think of, apart from Alice in Wonderland, obviously. If you allow yourself to focus on the fear of it, you can really get carried away with it. But also it's a really good song. It carries you along in a way that can be quite exciting at the same time with the snare like you were saying it's not as chaotic as a lot of the other ones it's yeah. quite in a lot of ways it's quite a standard song but there's still a lot about it I think it's maybe more surreal than nightmarish it's kind of like a nightmare that would be a little bit it would unsettle you when you woke up but it wouldn't like make you wake up crying I was really struck by listening to this actually because I mean I've heard this song a bunch of times but haven't deliberately listened to it in quite a long time it's so much shorter than I remember it being and I think it feels longer sometimes when you hear it because of that kind of threat I don't know it feels a bit like you're kind of stuck in it for longer than you actually are it's actually really quite a short song it's a song that's taking material from a kind of portal fantasy and I think that it does kind of it has that feeling of like it's trying to kind of suck you into another world and I think in in the context of the song it's kind of like through the medium of drugs but I think either way that thing of like finding yourself in a completely different world where like nothing makes sense and everything kind of works on different logic it's actually like for me anyway it's quite a standard like nightmare theme I feel like that is quite a nightmarish thing the kind of like I found myself somewhere completely unfamiliar where nothing works the way that it's supposed to and everyone's behaving really strangely I feel like that is kind of inherently nightmarish and I think this song does a really good job of like invoking that from its kind of source material going off what you said there with saying that it feels shorter than than you thought it was I think one of the reasons that it feels that short and actually one of the reasons that I think this makes a really good dream sequence slash nightmare song. It doesn't actually repeat itself, I don't think, because it starts off with that like Spanish 
Lydian guitar and bass kind of thing. And then it goes into a bit more of a straightforward kind of chord structure. And then towards the end, like once we built up in volume, it actually ends on this like really big all out bit that sounds a bit more like the beginning, but isn't the beginning. I think it's actually really interesting that all, you know, all of these are the songs, whether they are verse chorus, verse chorus kind of songs have some repetition and this song doesn't. And I think actually that makes it a really good song where maybe at the beginning, you don't know you're on a nightmare. It's actually more like just a kind of standard dream. And then the threat kind of like slowly escalates and escalates until at the end where the dynamics are really pushed and she's like singing really loud. So I actually think even though it doesn't sound, you know, it, it doesn't sound as chaotic, of course, as a lot of the other songs, I think it works really well, just in a, a really different way. On that kind of theme that Beth mentioned about sort of it feels longer than it is. I have this sort of like scenario in my head of like, you're on a night out with your friends and you like, oh, I'll catch up with you in a sec and walk into a pitch black room and a single spotlight is thrown on you. And all of a sudden the song starts playing. And as you try to leave, you walk back in to like the same room over and over again. The song's slightly changed, but not really. And it builds and it's just like, it feels like it's been hours, but it's actually been two minutes. Uh, I feel like that's kind of like an existential sort of like scenario I cannot imagine myself being in. Like when you get separated from a group and it feels like you've been on your own for an hour, but actually you're just wasted and it's been like no time at all. Yeah. For me, like so much of the threat in this song actually comes from the harmony because it's like so much of it is basically just kind of oscillating between two chords. And there's something about that where it's like, you feel like you might be going somewhere different and you just come back to where you started and then you just move slightly away and then you come back to where you started again. It does, it it has that feeling of like trying to leave a room and keeping on coming back into the same room. It's like, you feel like you might be going somewhere new, but you just kind of, it doesn't actually go anywhere for quite a while. And there's just a lot of oscillating. I think what exaggerates that is the fact that it is literally a semitone apart just goes between those two almost yeah and so it's like very dissonant if you put those two chords directly together that just adds to that whole sense of it just being this sort of nightmarish kind of cyclical yeah, it doesn't go anywhere harmonically in a traditional sense yeah. it's almost like it's just kind of rocking and i think that in itself it's like almost that sort of like seasick feeling you just feel slightly off because it's just kind of rocking between these two places Okay, so the next song we're going to listen to is Du Hast by Rammstein, and that's Rich's pick. I guess where I was coming at with this one is I was imagining it as one of those dreams where stuff that you've been kind of seeing or hearing or experiencing in your life pervades your dream in strange ways. So I was kind of, kind of the way I saw this was because the song is simultaneously quite intense, but also really quite camp in like the way that Rammstein is. I kind of saw it as this weird situation where you're in a club where it was kind of a little bit sort of BDSM camp, like lots of leather, chains, whips, but then also like 
news stories. So like Boris Johnson, other just weird stuff that shouldn't be all in this one scene, but is, and it's all soundtracked by Rammstein. And I can just imagine Boris Johnson saying, do has, do has mish. And you're kind of, I don't know, like, <laughs> like whipping him or something. And it's this very strange, um, <laughs> strange scenario. They're going to take your DBS away from you. It might do. <laughs> My point is that it's this like slightly nightmarish scene where you've got all these kind of strange little snippets. So it's like, I don't know, it could be coronavirus or it could be just something all in this one scene that's just kind of happening. And this is the soundtrack. But anyway, there's a little insight into my strange soul. <laughs> I love how deep into the narrative you went with you that. Know, Boris Johnson yeah. in the leather dungeon. Is yeah, well, it, the reason I, I maybe I should have explained that better. The reason I'm just imagining because you obviously we've heard a lot about Boris Johnson in the news, like doing all this stuff, and so that's kind of seeped into the dream subconsciously. You've watched a lot of coronavirus briefings, exactly. That's that's literally kind of what I mean. It's like that that has seeped into this weird, nightmarish club scene. <laughs> just I the members like of uh, Rammstein become the cabinet, yeah, exactly. Literally, it's like a music video, and yeah. You, you get me. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that they feel camp because you're right. And I, I wrote down that this feels camp. I also wrote down that my selection feels camp, but they feel camp in two very weirdly different ways. But I think the thing that kind of unites them both is I do feel like they're both pantomime villains. The way that he sings the chorus of Do Hast, like totally delivered over the top theatrical, far too bassy, far too like overemphasized there is a sort of inherent campness to like eccentric delivery. I actually wondered a little bit whether maybe part of the genesis of this is that it was on one of the like big selling guitar hero games. And to me, what this immediately evokes because it's like the situation in which I have heard this song the most by far is just like the feeling of terror at attempting something that you just cannot do on guitar. Which is ironic because I feel like this song would be pretty damn easy on Guitar Hero. No, because there's all the all of that like oh the keyboard stuff. Yeah, that's it would have on... you doing all the synth parts and everything. Yeah. yeah. On that note, I really love the contrast of like the heaviness of the guitars and the super playful, like almost childlike ding 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 that comes in in the uh, in the verse for the chorus. Really adds that sort of like campness we were talking about earlier. I think it is actually all the more nightmarish for the fact that it isn't just completely heavy. It's like those little kind of sprinkled details add to... Well, I guess it's like what Georgia was saying before about kind of like the contradiction between like childishness and kind of horror and that feeling nightmarish. I think it's just there's something about the the lighter elements that make it feel all the more kind of like disorientating and strange and like something that you would find in your subconscious because it's like it's not even kind of coherently heavy it's like it is kind of camp and strange and and silly and childish and like lots of other things as well you can kind of see like that the the childlike thing it almost feels like it's like if you were teaching kids about music like and this is metal music and it's kind of like this slightly (laughs) like just over the top completely ridiculous but not too like nothing too scary so it's still a little bit silly but also it's still metal so there's lighter elements like the uh the backing kind of choir <laughs> i think it's in the choruses or something it just sounds like um it would be in like logic as ethereal choir or orchestra or something and you've not touched it it's just gone straight in <laughs> according to the official lyrics that i looked up online that choral pad is supposed to be singing the word yah and then he comes in afterwards <laughs> going, nine! 
know. I don't know if there's. I don't know how true that is, but I I love that as a kind of narrative. Again. I think this is feeding into the nightmarish dream again. I genuinely rate Ramstein. Actually, I, there's only really a handful of like metal bands that I enjoy, but I think the fact that they do like weird, interesting stuff and it's kind of over the top and a bit playful. And also that they've got like a keyboardist that does a lot. I think the keyboards really add to this song. And actually like the keyboards sound really club. Like the, in the verse, the kind of the syncopated pad that goes on in it. I feel like they do sound like kind of 90s club keyboards. When I first listened to this song, I was so conflicted because part of me was like, I don't want to keep listening to this. But then the other part was kind of wanting to get into it and see where it was going. You know, it's like, why are the vocals so close? Why is it so personal? Leave me alone, right? That's kind of how I was feeling, which is perfect for nightmares, I guess. But if we're going to go with the Disney villains theme, David Jones wearing thigh-high stiletto boots is what I got from this song. Yeah, see, it's don't not... Know if, being don't weird. know if you want that image in your head, but that's what I got. Tentacles. I mean, all, all that makes me think is that you're both perverted. There's so... I mean, it's another song, I guess, where there's just so many elements to it. There's just so much going on. I think, actually, it's maybe the thing that that all of these songs most have in common is that there's just a lot. And I think that that is sort of inherently, like, even if it's not specifically nightmarish, it is, like, dreamlike because it is just that thing of, like, picking a load of random stuff that then all kind of crops up in your subconscious at once and like something will be mentioned and then never brought up again it's like you just accept that this whole scene is taking place like in front of a dragon and you're just like yeah that's that's fine and i think these songs feel like that (laughs) you're just like oh yeah that's happening now i think especially coming from a place where a lot of the music that we write could maybe fit into the nightmare genre (laughs) And we've definitely been in the position where we're like, what else, what other weird stuff can we put into this track to make it feel disturbing? Yeah, and it is that... There's kind of incoherent elements. And saying about there's almost too much stuff going on because working as a producer, your role is often to kind of cut the fat and cut like the unnecessary parts. But when we were writing this tune that we were talking about, it was very much like... There was part of me was going, oh, we need to make sure it's like kind of nicely honed. But actually part of the vibe was actually it just needs to be like really mad and like just too much. And I think a lot of these tunes have that too muchness. Um, there's just, I think there's just enough chaos to to get the kind of vibe without it being too overwhelming. Actually, this is a good song to put before the next song because the next song definitely is overwhelming in place. <laughs> It's like the the same kind of vibe of like too muchness. I can't remember what it is now, but there's that there's that piece of classical music where there's like a whole orchestra of strings just like sliding upwards together. And I think Look at it. maybe. But oh, like that I think it's that kind of feeling, just like this is too much and I can't quite get a handle on it. It's like it feels slippery, you can't quite like get your fingers around it. Metaphorically, I, I think that keyboard melody sounds quite slippery as well. The weird sort of like electric piano, um, jingly kind of bit doesn't sound melodic. It sounds like you say slippery and a bit all over the place, but also electronic. Yeah, I just want to apologise for putting that image in your heads earlier. <laughs> yeah. 
And I just, I'm, I'm slightly worried to listen back to this because in my head, it probably made a lot more sense, but I can guarantee, because this is what usually happens when I say anything, so I don't say all the parts of what I'm trying to say. And leave out <laughs> so it's probably just been like, yes, Boris Johnson. Listen, massive respect for coming up with a narrative. I think the narrative is important. So whether it was upsetting or not, you know. You wrote a story. Yeah. You know. The next song we're going to listen to is Brother Sport by Animal Collective. And that's Elliot's choice. Um, basically, I had a, a sort of scenario in my head where, you know, you walk into, I don't know, Hebe's, let's say, and you walk in, Ed Sheeran's just finishing off, and you're like, fine, whatever, here we are. And this sort of starts, and elements are coming in, and you're like, oh, cool. Like, imagine you've never heard it before, and it's like, oh, there's some pretty unique elements going on here. This is quite the intro we've got going on. And you head to the bar, and the intro sort of keeps going for, like, three minutes, and then all of a sudden, that synth of just like, I don't know, like a processed man screaming comes <laughs> in and you sl- like you slowly start disassociating with yourself just second by second until the end, you sort of experience complete like ego death and you are just a husk in the dance floor. And then it resolves and you're sort of brought back into lucidity of this nightmare that you somehow survived. And that's basically how this feels every time I'm drunk and I hear this song. Husk in the dance floor, again, is just a wonderful name for like a band or a song or this episode. Husk in the- <laughs> I think you're you're right because it does. It starts off pretty benign with just like the the sort of like the chord stabs very on the beats and the melody is quite catchy. You know, it's a little bit frenetic, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it sounds like a melody that you can kind of sing along to. And then after about a minute and a half after like the bass has come in some more synths come in i feel like the song stops being a song and becomes sort of like a soundscape art piece of just like swirling synths like the rhythm is kind of you know the the percussion's still going but the rhythm doesn't really matter anymore you're kind of locked in this weird like frozen soundscape of sounds cycling round and round there's that really nice moment halfway through where another melody comes in, but I think the the bits that feel so nightmarish are the bits where it feels like you're absolutely trapped in the moment. And sometimes, like, there won't be a new sound introduced for about 30 seconds or something. It just keeps cycling round. I think those are the bits that sound especially panicky and nightmarish because it just feels like you're stuck. I think this song sounds so much like the experience of anxiety that I shouldn't enjoy it, and yet it's so good. <laughs> I've I've only ever heard one I think one other song of theirs actually so I know them as kind of a weird band but don't know them very well and listened to this and was like this is such a vibe but also like I feel like at any moment I might start hyperventilating which is a very specific mood while listening to a song and I think that's definitely nightmarish because it's like a, a little bit like what I was saying about the Crystal Castles actually it's like 
half of you is like, this song makes me want to dance, and half of you is like, this song makes me want to just like sit in a corner until it's over. This song sounds to me like what my experience of sleep paralysis feels like. <laughs> and also, like, have you ever ironed a shirt that's got too many stripes? <laughs> and you know when you're ironing it and you're looking at it, and it's like the pattern is too much for your brain and you kind of get sucked into the stripes and it makes you feel really sick. And that's what it sounds like. But I enjoyed it all the same. I think that's specifically that's a, that a migraine haver's uh, interpretation of this song. <laughs> <laughs> it is mainly that middle section. Well, I want to call it middle section. It goes back to when we were saying earlier about the song feeling a lot longer or shorter than it actually is and that bit from about i think it's about one minute 30 for the next few minutes maybe um where it's just an endless sort of loop with everything happening and everything's just been cycled and then panned extremely fast and i can remember the first listen that i did of this i, I, I just paused it at some point in that and thought well, we must be near the end by now and we were about halfway through it i was like I, what happened to that amount of time <laughs> mm. It does feel like it goes on forever, which yeah. I think is because it's so repetitive and like also so upbeat. So like it's repeating this really short phrase because it's, you know, the tempo is pretty quick. I think there's something about how sort of hypnotic that is. It makes me think a little bit of like when people talk about dancing to, to like ritual drumming or like being part of drum circles and stuff where it's like the whole idea is to have this kind of like hypnotic beat that like just makes people want to move or that you get like super into and you kind of lose yourself in it. It feels like that. It's This is like the sort of 21st century version of of that where it's so kind of hypnotic and repetitive that it feels like you just kind of slightly disappear into it and you're not quite sure how long you've been there. Yeah. Who's that guy? It's gonna rain. It's gonna rain. Uh, um, Steve Reich. Steve Reich. Steve yeah. Reich. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I only yeah, know the. Like... I only know the electric counterpoint ones. But... With it's gonna rain, it is just a snippet of. Um, I think it, is it a preacher saying basically the phrase "It's, it's gonna, gonna rain", rain" and it just repeats rain, that and goes "It's gonna rain, rain it's gonna rain", rain. and it just, that goes round and round and it's kind of never it's ending. It's a similar sensation though that goes across quite a lot of these songs. Is that intensely repetitive, like you're stuck in that state of hypnosis. You're thinking, surely this section is going to end soon. I know that a, a human made this and they decided to make this this length and you just try to write it out and see what they're seeing in it. What I think is interesting about that, though, is he's like, yes, humans made that and the Steve Reich and stuff, but it's actually an integral part to it is that it's also made by a machine because this is like you've got that sample that's repeating and you've got synths that have got arpeggiators that are doing all that kind of crazy stuff. And so it's very much mechanical in a, the way that a machine would play stuff back. And so whether in the Steve Reich, it, you've got that tape, loop just going round and round with this one it is that kind of metronomic even though the rhythms are kind of crossing over each other and creating the kind of polyrhythms it's actually each of them they're all like locked into their own tempos and so there is something that's very inhuman about it you're trying to predict what the next step is going to be and when it's going to happen but you can't because it, it surprises you and I think that's a good thing about this track in particular. It's really disorientating. It doesn't do what you expect it to, but you're still kind of weirdly pleased with what happens, even if it feels a bit overwhelming. It's a lot to take in all at the same time, but I don't think it was 
a scary nightmare if we're going to go back to the theme here. It takes you a second to kind of get into it, but you can, like a roller coaster that you think you're going to be terrified of. But if you get yourself into the right mindset, you can probably have a good time anyway. It's interesting the conversation we've had around like balancing the kind of humanness with the computeriness. I feel like without the occasional melodies, the, the sort of two vocal parts that keep jumping in and out, without those, I think this song might actually be unlistenable. If it was just instrumental all the way through and it didn't have the melody at the beginning and it didn't have the little, the sort of bridge melody that keeps going through until the end. I think without those, this song would actually be quite uncomfortable and a bit unlistenable, but they temper that with a really catchy two-part harmony. It also feels quite tribal the way that they balance the harmonies and there's the the sort of the big like vocal leap in the first melody i think without those the sort of electronic chaos would end up a bit unbearable i think personally i i don't think it would be unlistenable without the voices but i think it would immediately take it from indie banger to like art music (laughs) i think animal collective played a festival we were at was it end of the road and i can confirm that um it is really good to dance to in real life. I can imagine that because there's a, the the rhythm in that song, especially, is is quite like you say, like tribal drum music circle. Like it's it's dancey, but it's also quite looping and repetitive. So I imagine it's perfect for like a festival. The question is, were you left a husk? <laughs> no, it was a really. I remember Euphoric. it really vividly as being a really good a really good boogie. I think we had a similar <laughs> experience with. Uh, with tune yards at end of the road actually the year that we went together and i think that there's some similarity in like sort of chaotic rhythmic dancey songs that also have this kind of undercurrent of slight like unease which is like a a very specific slightly giddy yeah (laughs) right so oh god the last song on the playlist is um it's row 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 your boat oh man Couplets for Toddlers, or that's the album, anyway. And that's Dan's pick. enough of that oh we haven't <laughs> we haven't got to the part. yeah it's when the bassoon comes in <laughs> oh, is the midi bassoon <laughs> yeah. that's dan's pick so please explain yourself okay um well apologies to everyone um, i came across this a couple of weeks ago on a youtube video from a youtuber that i know called adam neely he does a lot of sort of music theory analysis kind of stuff and he was part of this project, like you said, the album's called Triplets for Toddlers, which is essentially um, the idea behind it was to sort of introduce children or possibly adults to sort of complicated music concepts or rhythmic concepts and using familiar songs and familiar melodies as a vehicle to do that. Hence all the nursery rhyme kind of stuff. So this song was written to a, a kind of a brief, really. The brief just being tempo canon which I wasn't too familiar with, but it was sort of explained as lots of sort of competing rhythms where each repetition of a melody uses a different rhythm relative to the kind of main pulse. And because the song's traditionally kind of sung as around, it kind of lends itself to that a lot. 
but I think really what you end up with is just like this sort of huge kaleidoscope of conflicting kind of elements going on and it just ends up being a bit of a, a bit of a glorious mess. I think the familiarity of the melody is kind of what does that a lot, um, which is where it sort of met the nightmare thing, I think, for me. Because I was kind of struggling with the brief a little bit, deciding whether it, this was a hypothetically sort of like a real club that does exist and it would just be a horrible experience for me and therefore I could describe it as a nightmare, or if it was just a bit more abstract and this could happen in your nightmares, and it would tie back to, similar to what Rich was saying, whereby just lots of elements of your waking life are seeping through kind of all at once and out of sequence in a very sort of uncontrolled way. And so I, I, I could see how the melody would sort of be persistent in doing that. It's upsetting, is what <laughs> <Yeah>. it is. Love <laughs> <laughs> it. Um, the first time I listened to this, I felt I felt physically panicky. I did feel <laughs> panicky. I think if you listen to this too much, it would give you that sensation that you needed to escape from listening to it. Like you needed mm-hmm. to like throw your headphones off and be like, this is far too much. And I think weirdly, the bit that makes me more panicky actually isn't like the... Because uh, there's the banjo bit that I think is a little bit faster. The, the bit that upsets me is the, the like electric piano that is slightly too slow. In my head, <laughs> that makes me panic so much because I feel like I know where it's going to land. Like I immediately accept that the banjo is going too fast. But the electric piano is going just slightly too slow and... That kind of reminded me, again, of like when you're in a dream and you want to like run or try and do something, but for some reason you physically can't or you're going too slow. It also, yeah, tapped into the the childlike thing that I think we've all been getting at. And I wonder if something to do with that is that although we still have nightmares now, they're not as significant to us as they were when we were children. Like when you're children, it's like the nightmare, like it stays with you. For me, nightmares would stay with me a lot longer. Whereas now I kind of, I wake up and I'm a bit like, oh, that was a bit weird. Especially if I was having the nightmare that I was talking about earlier. But it kind of goes. But when you're a kid, you kind of, there's, I don't know about you guys, but there's still nightmares that I can remember from when I was a kid that I still remember. And so I wonder whether there is something about nightmares that is linked inherently to that sort of period of being a child and whether musically or subconsciously that's all tied together somehow. I do agree with you, but I also think it has a lot to do with the familiar and the safe put in a context where it suddenly becomes kind of eerily, or in this case, overtly disturbing. It's that something that you know of uh, that kind of that childhood, that familiarity, that nostalgia, and that rhyme. And it's the twisting of it that of itself makes it nightmarish. And can I just say, I thought this one was perfect. I love it. <laughs> I just, I feel like I have to say with Georgia saying that she loves this, this is Georgia who told me about five years ago that her favorite game to play was where everyone stands in a circle and picks a note at random and sings it. And then you see what horrifying harmony you end up with. <laughs> nice. It's a great game. I'm not sure it would work with Zoom, but I do love to play it. But it needs more than more than one person, really, and I can never find anyone who wants to play with me. I'll play it with you when when lockdown's over. We can celebrate <laughs> yeah. with a nice round of disaster harmony. We can end the episode with it. That'll be how we. That'll be how we sort of like an awful harmony. Hmm. And it'll be distorted by like internet compression as well. Can I say that this song? Sounds like how sometimes working with very small children feels. <laughs> As I do, the chaos I relate to. I think it gets some of its nightmarish quality from the fact you are really familiar with it, like you said. Um, 
and you struggle to kind of work out what's happening because there's just there's just an overload of everything going on. Um, but it is at the same time this really happy major kind of thing that suddenly it has a, that kind of sadistic quality about it now because it's really happy in itself and it's been belted at you in such a way that I don't understand and I can't control it and I can't stop it either. Like, I've listened to this a frankly upsetting number of times now. And every time <laughs> that I hear it, I think that I remember how many entries there are. And every time there are more than I think there are going to be. It's yeah. like, I go, okay, we've reached critical mass. This is as many different kind of tempos as we can have going on at once. And then there's just another one that I've forgotten is going to happen. It is that slippery thing again. It's like, I can never quite get my brain around it every time. It's like, there's more than I think there's gonna be. And even though like, cause it is taking this very familiar song and making it unfamiliar, even within the context of this version, I think I'm familiar with this version and then I'm not and I've forgotten something that happens and it's even more chaotic than I remembered it as being. I do think though, I am fascinated by your like dream club that's playing this. <laughs> because <laughs> I wouldn't call I wouldn't call it a dream club. <laughs> <laughs> but like I I think it's I think it's so perfect. Like I mean, I know that I said that the Animal Collective song sounded like Anxiety Feels. I actually take that back. This is how Anxiety Feels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think I think it's perfect for the brief. But just like imagining this like subconscious creation of this club mm. where this is what they play. That's how, that's like the most upsetting dream that I could imagine. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like this song belongs like, to the internet like this song should never be played out loud in a physical space <laughs> in a club in a, it just it, it should be locked in the sort of room 101 that is the internet <laughs> why do you think it is that tempo is maybe the most upsetting thing to put in canon say if it was something i don't know maybe the other videos have got this i don't know where it's something like like harmony in canon or and it goes through like semitone by semitone and each entry is a semitone apart do you think that would be more or less distressing than the speed being so different i think if you think about us as like biological creatures we naturally communicate with like changing pitch there are lots of ways that we experience the world that aren't like steady and regular and predictable. But when you think about the most significant tempos to us as like animals, it's things like heartbeats that like have to be regular and predictable for us to be safe and alive. And I think that it's like this very natural thing to want a kind of steady tempo that you can hold on to. And I think that it upsets our brains when you just can't get a handle on the tempo, when you can't kind of like, bob along to something kind of predictably mm -hmm. it's like when you listen to something that's in like five four or seven four and it feel there's that that moment of like it feels like it, the song's almost like tripped over itself because you kind of mm -hmm. you think you know what's happening and i think whenever there's that that feeling of like um irregularity I, this is like a hypothesis but i think it upsets us on some kind of like biological level because we like to know how the beat is kind of coming to us because like that's how we work we work on like a steady rhythm i also think that our brains do a better job of like um there's more leeway for mistakes with pitch like our we we kind of can gently do a little bit of auto-tune if something is slightly off pitch whereas i think with rhythm we do a 
a less good job of kind of um of metering that out of making it make sense in our head like if someone is slightly off key singing a harmony in like a chord our brains will be like well we acknowledge that that's out a little bit out of tune but it doesn't always upset whereas with rhythm i think our brains can't quite shift that forwards or backwards in time you know if i'm thinking in terms of like logic pro like our auto tune like our our quantized pitch is better than our like quantized time or something i would absolutely recommend listening to the rest of the the album that these are on no no there are some other tracks so someone did um bingo was his name in five four and that's kind of like a bit of a fever dream because there's a lot of like dog noises in it <laughs> um, but there's one that is done in 13-8 sort of like very almost like dave brubecky kind of like piano cover of london's burning it's very, and some other ones what's the one that's in free time there's a i don't know there's a frere jacker in seven four i think that is lovely to listen to i think it's that mm-hmm. one anyway but it works um, they're not all just sort of horrible fever dream nightmarish things that one particularly yeah. is which probably why i picked it the album is a lot of like well for this song you know it's about metric modulation or it's about this that or the other and some of them do work i'm not sure if that one does or not <laughs> i'm gonna listen to them and i'm gonna play them in class there you go yeah <laughs> the free time one is lovely to be fair it's very like dreamy it's so so sort of like drawn out and very someone describes it in the video as like they felt like they've washed up on a beach and that is the exact feeling for it it's really lovely almost like so ethereal and it washes over you it's good so i'd recommend this one is a very particularly nightmarish example of uh how to make uh complex things available to kids i, I can't quite describe how this made me feel but um if this helps at all uh, at first i thought was this uploaded to youtube by accident is, it, <laughs> is, is this a mistake Hearing it just as it was, I was like, is, was this on purpose? Some of this fits, some of this sounds awful. Together with what I know I know from my childhood, the melody is. I think it, it definitely was a really good choice for the theme that we've chosen, even though I kind of didn't want to listen to it sometimes. I didn't, I didn't say I enjoyed it. <laughs> with the kind of the school thing, and especially with Zoom, a lot of like people are making music and George was talking about how like making music over Zoom with young people and how you'd have to record parts over um, like some, somebody would record a part and someone else would record their part over the top and it's kind of that collaboration over Zoom but it's almost what's happened is they've done that but something's gone horribly wrong with kind of syncing it all together <laughs> and like this is the end result and it's just this complete car crash like they're all trying to play it nicely together and it just went really wrong yeah it's interesting like talking about it it sounding accidental because i actually think for me part of what makes this unsettling is that it sounds so intentional and that might be like my music student brain kind of listening to it especially i think the fact that it says like tuplets in the title immediately to me is like oh this is an intentional thing this is about like music theory it's that kind of same intentional chaos that a lot of these songs have actually weirdly like it does have that similarity with them where part of what makes it unsettling is that it sounds so much like somebody planned it really carefully and so it's like it is too much but you can tell that somebody like sat down and planned out exactly where these entries were going to be and like what the different tempos were going to be relative to one another and there's something about that that to me is particularly unsettling because it sounds so chaotic but someone really thought that through (laughs) 
I think you can tell that all of these songs have been unsettling because Lydia has said on a number of occasions, I didn't actually want to listen to this song. (laughs) (laughs) But I like that because it makes me challenge myself. Like, why don't I want to listen to it? (laughs) Keep listening. I think you do get the feeling that instrumentally there's a lot of characters going on. It reminds me of like big band rehearsals at school or something and everybody like they're just warming up or they're just doing whatever and everybody's messing around and it's a complete chaos. But you get the sense that, yeah, there's a lot of sort of individual characters going on. And if you sit with it right until the end, they do all come together. Like a cursed Peter and the wolf. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Now all we have to do is figure out some way of putting these songs in a kind of track list. Doesn't it just need to be very chaotic? Like the whole thing is that it's chaos and too much. So actually just whatever makes it chaotic and too much. Why don't you put your playlist on shuffle? (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. That's what, that's the kind of thing I mean is that actually it could be any of like, they could (laughs) any, like any of them could be in any order and it would still be horrifying. What's, what's it called? Aleatoric composition where you like Ooh. leave some element of it up to chance. Maybe our deliberate yeah. mm-hmm. track listing should be, you put the playlist on shuffle, that's how you listen to it. I it's like a requirement. <laughs> Just before we started this, I turned to Beth and I was like, for the other two episodes we've done, I've had an idea in theory of how I'd organize these songs. I've genuinely no clue how, <laughs> how to organize <laughs> these. So I'm, I'm, happy, I'm absolutely happy to leave this up to like some kind of weird mm-hmm. shuffle chance if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I and like- I think it ties nicely into that kind of the mixing of the human and the machine and a lot of the themes. I think that actually that it's kind of that idea of stuff just being incongruous and suddenly stuff just happening. That's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that, but I'll go along with it. Um, I listened to this playlist in the order that Will put it together a couple of times. And then I listened to it in a completely different order because I needed to use my phone for something else so I was listening to it on Spotify rather than YouTube and so I just like put them together in the order that I remembered them which was a completely different order and I have to say it, it was like a singularly different experience listening to them in just like the order that they'd occurred to me because it was like you just about get used to the chaos in the order that you think it's coming and then it's in a different order completely and I think I started with row 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 your boat because I immediately remembered that one and that is a strange <laughs> place to start like a little a little hors d'oeuvre before the rest of your terrible meal <laughs> I, think, I think back to like the worst nightmares you've ever had or even I, I think was it Rich did you say like there's a, a lot of people might have one or two from their childhood they can still remember but you weren't in control of them mm. you know, certainly not the sequence that things happened and stuff well, that's kind of, that, I feel like that's integral to a nightmare, isn't it? Well, yeah. If yeah. you had a lucid nightmare, you, that would make you an incredibly sadistic person. A potentially concerning notion. How about the way to listen to this playlist is on shuffle and repeat? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Just until, until you can't bear it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we so put this playlist on like a crossfade as well. I really want everything to blend one into your... Know, <laughs> We want to feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and you can't predict anything that might happen <laughs> as in a nightmare. I, I don't want to feel safe at any point in this playlist. At, at this point, then, this has become like a Steve Reich sort of audio experiment, really, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you actually want is two laptops playing the playlist. <laughs> On shuffle in different parts of the room. (laughs) Yeah, and you sit in the middle and you just experience it. (laughs) Awful. An extra level, like add extra speakers and microphones to really give some feedback to really 
Aki went to that nightmarish experience. Put the whole playlist through a delay pedal. Good. Well, okay. This <laughs> this has become especially chaotic, but I feel like that's kind of that has been the theme. Yeah, I'm happy leaving it there. Uh, I mean, I feel like we're, we're all pretty happy with making leaving that as as kind of chaotic and unpredictable as possible. Yeah, add some elements of chance to your listening experience. I like that. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. Thank you, guys. This was really fun. A nice y- yet again, very eclectic, very weird selection of music. Thank you for all bringing your choices shall we finish with everyone picking a harmony <laughs> okay let's go okay go. We'll, we'll, we'll give it a go everyone no one sing very loud okay three two one <laughs> yeah it stopped <laughs> even me and will sounded horrible together though <laughs> It sounded horrible and I'm by myself. really hope you enjoyed this third episode of the Pick and Mixtape. If you want to listen to the playlist, it's on our YouTube channel, Pick and Mixtape Podcast. We're also on Twitter, at Pick and Mixtape, and Facebook under the same handle. And please do feel free to get in touch about what your choice would be for the playlist, or what you thought about the songs we picked. If you enjoyed listening to our eclectic choices, then you'd probably like our music. Georgia and Rich have a band called Loris and the Lion, and they've just released a new song called Waxwing, which you can listen to on Spotify and iTunes. You could also listen to mine and Beth Booth's band Gal Pal, also on Spotify and iTunes, to get your fix of cry-along indie pop. If you're in the Liverpool area, Dan teaches guitar at Prelude School of Music, and I can highly recommend him. And finally, I've been making a song every three days during lockdown, which you can check out by searching Will Truby on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Next episode's topic will be a song for a midnight swimming trip, and I'll have a new bunch of people with me. I hope you can join us, and thanks again for listening. Good morning, good day, or good night.